Welcome to Fire Breathing Kittens Podcast. This is a special episode because we're going to be discussing the rules systems we've played this past quarter. We will discuss the rules for the tabletop role-playing games Crowns, Dragon Slayers 2, Foretold, Spectres and Spurs, Brains and Brawn, Ironsworn, Spellcore Mafioso, Lerps, Lasers and Feelings, Welcome to the WWA, and Sexy Battle Wizards. So let's get into it. Um, we're, uh, I guess I'll say, uh, say hi, Errol's player and Chico's player. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> We've got some feedback from our members that Errol's player and Chico's player and I are going to read for you guys. Let's get into it. Otter and Otter was an actual play podcast of crowns. It seems to be geared for a long-term play with a single group. There's a lot of resource management to use when playing one session. Maybe it's the fact that we were only at level 4, but playing a beefier melee character and only having 10 HP felt strange. I personally am not a fan of resource management at the forefront of games. Of course, people have to remember to eat, drink, repair their equipment. But I prefer to have that just assumed as opposed to being one of the selling points of the game. Mm-hmm, indeed. Many games that claim to be easy to learn are narrative-based and don't have intricate combat mechanics. Crowns had fighting mechanics that were both quick-to-read and number-based. I liked how different weapons dealt different damage, and there were multiple stat blocks for a variety of enemies. I liked how you could customize your character's defense with armor and customize their attacks with skills. One thing that didn't feel great, though, was how much rolling to confirm there is in Crowns. After an opponent hits you, you have to roll to confirm, or else it deals half damage. You deplete an enemy of all of its hit points, but then you have to roll a second time to confirm that it died, and if you fail, that enemy with zero hit points is still alive. Rolling twice to confirm instead of rolling once lengthens the rules discussion during combat and decreases immersion. Code Purple was an actual play podcast of Dragon Slayers 2. Dragon Slayers 2nd Edition, very good rules light fantasy RPG. It was intuitive and simple to understand, but did not lack for some fun character-building goodness. Spells had multiple properties and feats, were also very interesting and fun, could easily be adapted to a long-play fantasy campaign similar to D&D, and it's free. Gotta love free! I really enjoyed Dragon Slayers 2. The game itself feels like D&D light. Your damage scales with level, and your armor doesn't really affect stats. The system is really easy to learn mechanically. There is movement, actions, and that's pretty much it. Players go first, but everything happens at the same time. I feel as though the warrior and thief classes are a little lackluster on their own, but with feats you can spice them up and flesh them out more. The system really shines with magic, though. If you want something with a massive amount of utility, then mage is the way to go. You start with two spells and can spend SP to buy more. Each spell is essentially infinite as long as you don't upcast it or use spell versatility to cast it outside the scope of what's listed. There isn't really a spell check system in place, but there is a system for spending SP to bend the rules on spells. I can't stress enough how fun it was to just mess around with spells, though. The sky's the limit if you're creative enough, and you have a good GM that's more focused on rule of cool than not breaking things. I do understand if you'd like for things to not be as loose, as sometimes players can find ways to break games, but overall, though, I had a blast, says this person. By the way, we are reading feedback from our players in Fire Breathing Kittens in the group. That was their feedback. Next feedback. Mm -hmm. And this was one was directly from me. Uh, this was a fun system to play in. It was easy to learn it to rem and remember rules. And even when we forgot something, we were able to remember where to find it in the rule book. 
This game can be best described as a simplified version of D&D with a twist, foregoing the D20 for each of the sided dice, the D4, 6, 8, 10, and 12. Each dice represents a skill level, and each roll has, you reach, has to have you reach a target number, usually at least two for combat. There's no AC, so combat is pretty fast. You just need to roll a two. At our level, we had D10 for attacks, which meant we had a 90% chance to hit. Damage is whatever the number we, is re-rolled, and that's about as complicated as it gets. I was able to adapt my unique ninja techniques in a way that's hard to do in other systems, and even invented some new ones with the creative spells listed in the book. There were plenty more to choose from, but at level 9, I was only limited to three spells and a feat. However, each spell and feat provides two to three different abilities, so there's no shortage on variety, and there's also no limit on spell casting unless you upcharge a spell. Combat, skills, and even things like spells, feats, races, and classes are easy to manage and understand. Its only weakness is how simple it is, but that can be viewed as one of its strong points. Give it a chance, and it'll provide a fantastic experience. All right. Snack Spionage and Backup Pan were actual play podcasts of Foretold. Excellent system. It was interesting to hear how the meanings of the cards were used to adjudicate the outcome events in the game. I think it worked really well for one-off games. I do worry that a long-form campaign could get a little too wild. Perhaps having alternate play rules that limit the major arcana in a deck a bit could alleviate this. But also perhaps it would just add to the fun. Many ways you could adapt this, like adding classes that change the things the cards do, or perhaps a setting where reality is yours to bend. I highly recommend people give this a try. I I will say, just as a side note, uh, that I think it re- it does require a GM who's very flexible in interpreting the rules because the you would have a you'd have to have a firm knowledge of the tarot deck and its meanings and things like that. And I I, I found it astounding how well our GM did during the course of the game. Oh yeah, she knows all those tarot cards. Like they actually mean different things to her. Mm-hmm. And as we continue, I'll set this off another review i love it it's such a crazy cool thing to be able to change past present and future especially being able to change the past and therefore changing the present is so super cool to play with playing this system makes you think about how to solve problems in such a different way i find it really refreshing and i would play again in a heartbeat also seeing how the different cards and meanings play into everything is super cool as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we have another feedback I like the system a lot, and it was a really it was really easy to pick up and learn. The tarot aspect is always fun, and randomness is one of the reasons people play TTRPGs. I also like the agency it gives the GM. The cards are open to interpretation, so you can be as crazy or as grounded as you want. Challenges I could see foresee as players not fully grasping the pure power of changing fate and the huge impact the major arcana could have. With a few sessions, I'm sure people would get the hang of it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and here's my feedback I'm going to read. I was in the episode Backup Pan. The mechanics of Foretold, where you can change the past to impact the present, were genuinely fantastic. It reminded me of movies and shows where the storytelling jumped backward in time to let the past explain the present. For example, the first season of the show Lost, or the anime Steinsgate. Regardless of genre, it's true for every story. How the timeline is revealed is just as important to an audience as the story itself. And there's a storytelling element that time jumping really lets you dig into. Playing the foretold, past altering the present mechanic made everything so much more interesting and fun. I would absolutely play foretold again. Yeah, and 
Next episode on the list is Blood Letting It Go, which was an actual play podcast of Spectres and Spurs. Here's my feedback for that. Uh, during gameplay, we discovered an infinite damage hack where the players could prevent any single opponent they are fighting from ever attacking them. <laughs> Maybe we were reading the rules wrong. I would have appreciated an example combat in the rulebook. <laughs> we broke the game. <laughs> anyway, uh, the next episode we're going to talk about is Gravity Boost, which was an actual play podcast of Brains and Brawn. Um, Brains and Brawn was a simple rules system that lends itself well to jumping in and just being a part of the action. It lends itself well to any kind of setting, really, and is a lot of fun. If you want a quick game to run for some friends, it can be taught easily and ran with little to no preparation, as long as you have D10s and plenty of imagination. So true. It was pretty bare bones on its own, but for a single adventure, it felt nice. I like the rules light base games. It allows GMs to get in all kinds of funky with the rules. The lax nature and general ease of doing things is nice for a rule of cool style game, which I always love. And finally, the feedback from another person who played Brains and Brawn says in all capital letters, it was completely and utterly adequate. <laughs> I think based on my research, Fighter Guy Studios has a ton of modules for adding content into Brains and Brawn, which probably makes it a bit more useful. I appreciated that everything was up for discussion when it came to attacks and skill checks. It was a very forgiving system that allowed us to focus on the game instead of the gameplay. But I don't think I would run it again without adding some of the extra content. But I did have good fun. <laughs> Next up, Eat Humble Pied was an actual play podcast of the game Ironsworn. Mm -hmm. And that comes directly for this review comes directly from Chico's player. The system is good, though on my second playthrough of Ironsword, not Humble Pie, I can te definitely tell it's not a game meant for any group. It's a slower-paced game meant to focus on pivotal moments that are important to each character's journey. That doesn't just include RP, but combat as well. In other games, rolling the dice is just a means to a result. Rolling higher or lower is a difference between success and failure. However, Ironsworn takes a different approach to this. The mechanic of rolling is focused on making tension. There's a higher chance for failure versus success, but the game is supposed to feel that way. The players and GM work together to create dramatic moments that shift the story. I don't feel it works well with the way most players are familiar with. It's a game with an acquired taste, and I feel that it's best appreciated in a slower-paced environment with a focus on role-playing in the harsh world Ironsworn is meant to emulate. Mm-hmm. Yes. The next episode we're going to talk about is Corpses Don't Honk, which was an actual play podcast of Spellcore Mafioso. I've got some feedback that I wrote. In Spellcore Mafioso, there aren't any hit points, so you, if your character gets injured, it's expected that they die and you create a new character. You roll one six-sided dice and then add one dice if you're prepared, one dice if you're being helped, and one dice if it relates to your archetype. TTRPG systems where you debate how many dice you roll make me feel uncomfortable because it adds arguing between the player and the game master to the combat mechanics. Spellcore Mafioso lets players build characters that, rules as written, basically can't ever fail at their specialty talent. I built a wise guy plus grifter archetype that had two five stats in larceny and intimidation. That means as long as I was acting either in a prepared way or was being helped or using my archetype, I got to roll two d6s, which translates to a failure one in 36 times. 
I felt that Spellcore Mafioso encouraged arguing over how many dice got rolled, and then encouraged players steamrolling because you only fail 1 in 36 times. Yep. So that's Spellcore Mafioso. Water Rising. If Errol's player would like to comment on this, you can. You were in LERPs. Yeah, for sure. Um, I really enjoyed the system. The game played really well. There were lots of options for character building. Overall, it was just a, a very solid system. I will say I didn't have to roll for like taking damage, but I do think the armor system is a little complicated. I don't think it's too complicated, but it does add a different level than just like having a base stat like like armor class that someone rolls against. Um, so I could see that as being like a little difficult for people who struggle with with uh, some of the numbers in, in, in a system. But I don't think it makes it unplayable or anything. It just is a little more uh, complex than some systems. But yeah, uh, lots of lots of options, lots of character building options, and uh, overall just a good, fun game. Mm. Yeah. I like how specialized the LERPs character builds can be, definitely. Here's an example. Oh, by the way, I'm reading the feedback that I wrote. <laughs> Here's an example. Support classes. Although common in the video game scene, where a party of people are fighting together, not many tabletop games have mechanics for a support class. LERPs actually has multiple support classes. There are entire schools of magic that don't do a single point of damage. They do buffs and debuffs instead. And the mechanical result of those buffs and debuffs is very impactful. Kitchy's debuff spell changed the enemy so that it hit once every sixth time, which felt so satisfyingly powerful. And the melee classes aren't left out of the out of the character building fun. In LERPs, you can combine your skills together to build interesting classes like sneak attackers. Errol's stealth attack dealt all that extra damage because it was comboed together with multiple skills. I have already scheduled LERPs for two more upcoming games because there's so much more to explore with these combat mechanics. Can I um, comment one more thing also, though? Yeah. Something we encountered before the episode that I forgot about because we enjoyed the episode so much was <laughs> that the spell spell uh, casting and the spells themselves in the in the rule book could use some revising because it was very complicated. It It, it kind of told you that you could make any spell you wanted, but then it gave you examples of spells and it was kind of wishy-washy on which direction they wanted you to go. And I think they should have started with the example spells as options and then said, here's the rules for making a spell. Uh, so it, it was still good. There were The spells were good. There was no problems with that. It's just the, the spell descriptions and the explanation of how magic worked was a little confusing. Yeah, definitely. The wording for the spell casting section could be tightened up a little bit. Remove the sentence that says you can do anything you want, you know, because it says that. And then it also says, oh, by the way, this class doesn't deal damage. And see, that's different than you can do anything you want. You can do anything you want, but this class doesn't deal damage. <laughs> so it's like, remove the sentence that you can do anything you want if you can't deal damage. <laughs> right. I think they just need to revise how they wrote out that section. Yeah, that particular section of the rules caused a little bit of confusion, <laughs> for sure. All right, um, I is that? Do you want to say more? No, that was a I, that was the only thing that I could think of. Yeah, I can't believe it's not better. And minimum rager were actual play podcasts of lasers and feelings. Mm -hmm. 
And my personal review, since I was in this system, or in this game, playing the system, I enjoyed this one-page game. It's a surprisingly clever system that can be adapted into almost any genre. Because of how little mechanics go into it, there's a reliance on RP to fill in. When a check is needed, simply decide if it's a passive or aggressive check to determine lasers or feelings. My only criticism with the system is the assist mechanic, which requires another person to pass the check in order to add or subtract from the person who they're assisting, which seems pointless. A good game for a small space-faring campaign like Star Trek or a template for another genre in the same vein. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Trash Can Do was an actual play podcast of Welcome to the WWA. So for me, uh, the system was great. I had no issues with it. Uh, it was a little... I, I At first, I didn't like that we had to go to two different documents to learn the rules. And I don't... I understand why they did that, because they didn't want to have to rewrite an entire rule book just for it. Or maybe they were on limited time when they created the... Uh, rules for the WWA, but I think a little refresher in the beginning for what the core rules are, if they could, if they had time to do that, would help uh, the player and help people not have to purchase a second book. Um, but the overall, the the rules were good. It was fun creating a character. Uh, we didn't argue over the rules that I can remember. You know, we had some over talk on each other and stuff like that. But a lot of that was just because we were excited playing the game more than the, you know, the, there was no like real arguing over the system from what I remember. Yeah. This is my review as the GM for this system. It's a very fun concept, similar in tone to crash pandas. Once again, you play as a small woodland creature in a human situation, that being a professional wrestling association core is a game building template that WWA used to make this concept work, and it works well. The nature of wrestling is to perform, and Core promotes the players and GM to roleplay the scene or frames in Core. Damage is dealt directly as your main stats, which act as your HP, and every attack, whether it be a wooden bat or a gun, always deals one point of damage. The system makes storytelling fun for everyone. WWA combines two of the six stats into one, creating five unique stats. They were There were plenty of unique to wrestling skills to choose from. The descriptions of each skill tell you enough to know what it is and allow players and GM to discuss different applications beforehand. I was able to tailor my game to suit everyone's expectations. My only criticism is the over-reliance on the core microsystem. While running, I feel the only thing WWA adds is a unique list of stats and skills along with ideas of how to run the game. I would say after running the game, I spent 90% of the time referring to the core book and 10% to the WWA book. However, if I were to run a small campaign specifically focused on a wrestling association with woodland creatures, WWA would be the perfect guide. At the end of this review, I feel like I'm reviewing Core Micro over WWA, though that's the nature of how Core works. I recommend Core to anyone who wants to either start a game from scratch with something to work with to get their ideas off the ground, or to modify an already existing game with too many rules to your liking into something much simpler. As for Welcome to the WWA, I'd recommend it to anyone that enjoyed the concept. Even without the Woodland Creatures, WWA makes for a great wrestling game template for Core. So if you're looking for a fun pick-up-and-play wrestling game, WWA is right for you. Excellent. 
So our very last game of this quarterly review is Frigid Beach, which was an actual play podcast of sexy battle wizards. Can Arrow's player read the review? Yes. Um, I really enjoyed the system for sexy battle wizards. I thought it was very easy, very adaptable, and open to a lot of fun. I really hope more people pick that system. Yeah. And I've got my own review. In sexy battle wizards, you have three numbers for three words. For example, a 1 in sexy, a 3 in battle, and a 2 in wizards. You roll the number of dice you have in your skill when you do something on that topic. It's similar to how you can declare you're attempting one of two goals with lasers and feelings, but with three goals instead of two. If you fail and your stress is higher than your highest dice, you explode and respawn. (laughs) The fast-paced rolls support immersion in storytelling, and it's a lot of fun. Like most one-page games, Sexy Battle Wizards doesn't have stats for the opponents, but it has a stress system, so I thought of a way that it could. The 456 system could be adapted to light, average, and heavy damage for each weapon. An example weapon could be a book. The book's light bludgeoning damage could be a one hit point blow. Medium bludgeoning damage would deal two hit points, and heavy bludgeoning damage would deal three hit points of damage. An example turn in combat would look like this. You declare you're trying to do light damage, which means you're trying to roll a four or more. If you get a 4, you deal 1 damage, but also take 1 stress. If you get a 5 or 6, you deal your 1 bludgeoning damage without taking any stress. The party would average 2 hit points dealt per party member per turn, so an easy enemy would have under 10 hit points, and a hard enemy or enemy group would have 20 hit points. So this is just me homebrewing, but anyway, that's just a combat system I was thinking about adding in a future playthrough because this is a very fun game I could see myself playing again. I like this game. Playing Sexy Battle Wizards was fun. All right, so that is all of our games in under half an hour. Wow, we speedrun this episode. So, you guys, what was your favorite game this past quarter? Um, I think I will still stick with Dragon Slayers. I, well, hold on. Now that I'm thinking about it, I want to say Dragon Slayers and Foretold. Foretold was a really great, like, one-off game. Uh, it just, with a, with a group of players that like have this ability to think of new scenarios or ways they can affect the past and, and the future. It's a, a blast to play. And then uh, Dragon Slayers is really good for like a long campaign. Uh, and it's easy to get into. Um, I don't know if there are any other books out there supporting the system, but if it had some source books for like items and things like that, I think it would really, really be a great campaign. Like, uh, RPG system. I'm a bit worried about Dragon Slayers because I feel like Wizards of the Coast is going to sue the designer because it's so similar to Dungeons and Dragons. It's basically a port of Dungeons and Dragons to a PDF that you don't have to pay for. So I don't think I would run that as my, just to let you guys know, I don't think that's going to ever be Fire Breathing Kittens long term system because it feels like piracy. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, uh, yeah. No shade, no shade, no nothing. I just, just letting you guys know. You, you feel close. like it. You feel like it's not enough different. Yeah. I, I could see that. I could see yeah. that. I would be afraid to to choose that as the system for our group. Yeah, I mean, it does seem like D and D light, but the mechanics are different enough to where it doesn't. Like, it just completely forgoes the the D twenty, which is like, which pretty much if I'm pretty sure if. Wizards of the Coast wanted to <laughs> copyright something, they would try to copyright the D20 itself. I wouldn't be surprised. But on that note, yeah, Dragon Slayers 2 was also my favorite. Well, I can't think of another one, but I would, I would say Dragon Slayers was my favorite just because it was such a 
easy system to flavor with all the all the different players we have. I'm sure anyone can just find whatever. I, I have a feeling everyone would rely on becoming like a mage class just because of how varied the spells are. Like you, you could choose the spells and not even feel like a, a mage class. Like my character Chico is a ninja, so I have ninja techniques I just pull from the different spells. And that was that was a lot of fun looking at all the different spells and figuring it out. And it's a really easy system to pick to learn. And yeah, I, I'm not sure how like copyrights will w- would dictate how, how similar it is, but it doesn't really feel that similar to D and D other than its theme. So, I mean, you could turn into a spacefaring adventure and then probably pass. But most people stick to fantasy. I'm not. I'm not sure about how all that works but yeah I, I really did enjoy the system it's very easy to, to pick up and learn and yeah you can do a campaign around, around a really fun D campaign around if you're looking for something that's not D, but very similar to it i would i would go with dragon slayers too yep all right and my favorite game was foretold because it facilitated the best storytelling I didn't go in there planning on lawyers sticking a poem <laughs> with a limerick in the handle of my plan to save anybody who I smacked with it, but that's what I came out of. And I came out of like that game with a childhood friend, and it was just the, the random spontaneous generation of storytelling was maximized with foretold. No, one of my one of my favorite interactions with another player was in that episode, and it was between me and Ava. Uh like the she took it to a whole different option that I didn't even think of and it ended up being a much better ending for the episode and it showed like our like our teamwork together and kind of I, it was it was just a great moment and like I felt so good after the episode I was like that was amazing I had so much fun so yeah well you can run it uh in an upcoming game see if it's as fun to run as it was to play and so what is everybody's game that you're most looking forward to in the upcoming quarter the games that we are playing in the upcoming quarter are Space Knights, Trove, Lucas, Monster of the Week, maybe, Wake, Tarobite, Dragon Slayer's Second Edition, Lasers and Feelings, Dungeon World, Heroes of Adventure, Cairn, Superpunk, I'm not sure how far out a quarter is, so I'll just keep going, but these ones might not happen, Root, Iron Sworn, Lerps, Adventure Dice, Desperado Quick Draw Edition, for me, it is LERPs, again, to explore those combat mechanics. I found them to be really different than other systems, and I'm looking forward to doing them again. How about you guys? What are you looking forward to in this upcoming quarter? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to, well, from recording tomorrow's game that we're going to record, that I'm going to be in, Space Knights. It's an interesting concept. I've never played a war game before, and this is, I guess, a war game, but without <laughs> miniatures. Just <laughs> wait and see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it'll be, it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, the GM has something cooked up for us that we were thinking. I was thinking, oh, it's it's going to be like this. He's like, no, it's going to be something, and I can't tell you. I'm like, oh, okay, so it's going to be. So it's going. I can't predict it, but I do like the uh, the rules. I like how it's. I, I like the different um, moves. I, I guess is what you call them, or orders. I can't remember exactly what the game what its game terminology is, but it's pretty much all the different moves you can do. And the mechanics are rolling D6s. and It doesn't either. It changes the name for its 
mechanics it does, halfway yeah. through the rule That'll book. That'll be fun to talk about in a review, like in the future, <laughs> next quarter. Yeah. But no, but there's a lot of one thing I'm looking forward to, which is that system in general. It has a lot of heart. I can definitely tell that there's a lot of, you know, a lot of personal de- devotion to working with that system, even though even though it, it does need like a like a revision, just page an editing numbers. revision. It it's needs still, page numbers. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, <laughs> does I, get, I, got, I got lost trying to read all of the rules and figure it out. But once you figure it out, it, it makes sense. It works. But for someone who is just casually looking through it, they'll see it and and think, ooh, uh, I don't know. But once you're dedicated and actually reading the book and the mechanics and you kind of figure out what it's all about, you, you get excited for it and you want to play it. And it, especially if you're looking for people to play that don't get turned off by how how it's edited and how it's written. Uh, yeah, it, it should be it should be fun for tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that one the most. Other systems, I can't say for sure whether or not. I don't want to say I'm looking forward to games you've already played, and I can't really say I'm looking forward to a game I haven't really read up yet. So, yeah, the one I'm looking forward to most is the one I've already looked up and the one I'm playing tomorrow. Space Nice, I'm excited for that. Um, For me... I do want to self-promote and say Space Nights. I will say that the main I it'll be interesting to see like the gameplay and but when I when I was looking at rule systems for some reason when I read this one a particular scenario played in my mind like I imagined a whole situation and I was like that's what I want to run. So I know that there are it probably does need some revisions but I'm so excited to to reveal what i have planned for you guys tomorrow <laughs> mm-hmm. um okay. and i think it will i think it will play to the spirit of space nights and keep that feel uh but also you know be fire breathing kitten material um the other system i would say if i'm not self-promoting my own thing <laughs> that i'm running tomorrow uh would be like uh I, I would really like to play sexy battle wizards i heard you guys <laughs> talking about it and it sounds like so much fun and i love the one page rpg concept where you have this like simple sheet of rules and you kind of throw people into uh the middle of a game so it's yeah, fun those... but it makes me wistful for enemy battle combat stat blocks <laughs> you know like i've started evaluating games for do they have stats for my different weapons and do they have stats for enemies that are different because if not i've done this before hmm <laughs> and and if I could pick a third, I would probably say Lerps. Although now I want to build a spellcaster because, well, melee was still fun, so it it would be fun to play again for sure. Mm, good, because I'm running two Lerps games in this upcoming quarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you know, but yeah, I like how both of you are most excited about the the tangible game that we're playing this upcoming weekend. Um, like. The best game is the game you get to play in, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. The ultimate I, enemy of D&D is scheduling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about uh, Trove, too, which I think we're playing in a, next weekend. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I will see you guys in an upcoming game. I, the best D&D is the D&D you get to play, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it, it always is fun when you guys are around, so I don't have any qualms about our next system yeah as long as we can keep playing together whatever we play is fun Mm -hmm. all right well that's it you guys bye bye bye